0: Welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word, the podcast that empowers you to say fuck being fine. Tired of being stuck in a place where you say everything's fine when it's really not fine at all? You're not alone. I'm your host, Lori Seitz. I've been there too, and so have my guests. Here's a secret. All it takes is a conscious decision to change and then restructure beliefs so your actions take you in the right direction. That's where fine is a four letter word comes in. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories from people who have transformed their lives and businesses, and practical tips and takeaways to move you from spinning in place to forward action so you can create a life of joy. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Hey there, it's Lori Seitz, and I am so excited to bring you this episode of Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Today, we have the amazing Dorothy Wisniewski on the show. She's a copywriter and brand messaging strategist for inclusive brands doing good things, a true bread connoisseur, and a fierce defender of the Oxford comma. So much in common. Now, if you're wondering how Dorothy's love for artisan bread and grammar rules ties into the topic of this episode, well, let me just say that Dorothy's journey has been nothing short of inspiring. She's gone through some tough times, and through it all, she's discovered the importance of taking care of all parts of yourself, from physical to mental to emotional. In this episode, we dive deep into her experience with the diagnosis that turned her world upside down and how she came out the other side with a new perspective on life and work. And let me tell you, Dorothy drops some serious truth bombs in this episode. She talks about the importance of setting boundaries, one of my favorites, learning to say no, and focusing on the things that truly matter in life. Her journey will inspire you to take a step back and really examine your own life and priorities. So if you're ready to be inspired to learn how to take care of yourself and create the life you truly want, then do not miss this episode. Dorothy is an incredible human being with so much wisdom to share. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss a single minute of this conversation. Uh, Before we jump in, quick question for you. Who do you know with a personal development business? really anything in the personal development arena, that would be interested in a crazy, amazing opportunity to have fun and make some extra money. Because I'm part of a business partnership and we are actively looking to create joint ventures with or acquire personal development businesses this year. Introduce me via text 571-317-1463 or Email at, Lori at zenrabbit.com. And now, here's the show. Hello, and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Another episode, my guest today is Dorothy Wisneski. I got that right. You got yes.
1: it. That's right. Yay! <laughs> That's We're a already good
0: start. winning. Winning. <laughs> yes. So
1: much winning. Yeah.
0: <laughs> welcome to the show, Dorothy Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Let's jump right in with yeah. the the super powerful first question. <laughs> what were the what, what were the values and beliefs you were raised with? That is a really big question to start with,
1: Lori. Okay, it is. Uh, it is. <laughs> so let's see. How can I summarize this without just ranting for 20 minutes? Um, so I was raised in a <laughs> uh, kind of a middle class WASPy. White family, um, there was a lot of messaging around, you know, the American dream, work hard, do a good, honest day's work, and you'll have everything you need. Um, There were a lot of expectations about being a good, upright citizen and not making too much of a stir. Um, In the midst of all this, I saw, I was watching you know, how that all was going for my parents and my parents were very talented. My mom was a photo retoucher and my dad was a photographer. So they had a business together. Um, and they were skilled and they were good at what they did and they worked hard, but they always struggled. Like we always were in debt and we always knew it. You know, my parents didn't want us to feel like we were wanting. So they would do things for us that did take money. But in order to do that, they would get like another mortgage on the house kind of thing. Um, So there was, you know, reality wasn't always matching up with what I was being told was going to work for my success. Um, And then the other part of that was I'm the youngest of four kids in my family. So I spent a lot of time watching how everything unfolded for them. And kind of taking notes. And okay, so that was explosive, and I do not want that for myself. <laughs> okay. Not doing that. Not doing that. Not doing. Oh, definitely not doing that. Um. So I ended up with this big list of things that I didn't want to do, and nothing on the things that I do want side. <laughs> so yeah, my focus for a long time, for the first like thirty years of my life, was basically stay under the radar, don't bring any unnecessary attention um you know don't cause trouble like be yourself to the extent that it's not a problem for other people kind of thing um and I also wasn't super ambitious so I was happy as long as I could do something where you know my bills were paid and I was safe and I had enough to eat and you know basic needs met but I was never uh, a competitive person Mm -hmm. because again then people would have to see me right (laughs) if I'm out in front like winning things and doing impressive shit that people really sit up and take notice of. Like I didn't want that kind of attention. Um so I was always very much happy to just like do jobs that uh you know I could I could show up and do good work and follow directions well and give input where possible. But I really didn't have any interest in leading or starting a business or anything like that. So I think, and I've been thinking about this the last few days because I knew this interview was coming up and I was like, wow, that's been going on for a long time in my life. That didn't just come out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, so, so in my working life, I had a plan for a career that turned out to be a shit choice for me personally. Um, <laughs> did you make that I, I actually choice, started out. Did you make that choice because it was safe? That's a good question. I think there was a sense of safety to it. Yeah. I, um, I wanted to be a teacher. And so in college, my degree was in Spanish. And so my plan was I'm going to be a Spanish teacher. Okay. And that's going to be a great way that I can give back and I can help young people and I can help, you know, Help people learn about things that they would not have learned about otherwise and sort of discover worlds that would have been closed off to them. Mm. Because that was, for me, I grew up in Southern California and in a very conservative white family in a pretty conservative white area. And so you hear a lot of things about people who speak Spanish and are from... South of the border, right? Um, and sometimes it's in hushed tones because people are saying things that they know people are not going to react well to. But like, they're not racist. No, though. No, it's no. just that's you know, that's just how that's things just are. I mean, that's just the
0: truth. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I'm saying that I had, I, I'm saying that sarcastically, just to clarify. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So I I had heard all of these things about um, these people who. Some of them, you know, had their families had been living where I lived since longer than there had been white people there. <laughs> and others were more recent immigrants. But you hear all kinds of things about what Mexicans are like, Mexicans in particular, because um, we were, I don't know, two hours from the Mexican border. Mm-hmm. So I get to college and I start learning about other things. And initially I was studying biology and um, that didn't work out. <laughs>
0: but, <laughs> so so then I was like okay I'm not gonna get a bachelor's bachelor's in science I could stand cutting up
1: only so yeah no it was that's a whole other story okay but um (laughs) so once I wasn't getting a bachelor's in science I had to add a language which I wasn't going to study a language I had done latin in high school um and I was like well I may as well learn spanish and you know I was dating somebody at the time whose family was from mexico and I wanted to learn more about the people I lived around Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. not just take my dad's word for it. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you start learning about so many things from like the people that that's actually their lived experience and that's their history and, and realizing, wow, my parents didn't know as much about this as they thought they did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, Hmm. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to share that kind of experience with other people, um, through teaching is to help other people discover their own way of engaging with the world around them and better understanding, not just their neighbors, but themselves and their place in their world. So that's, that's what pulled me to teaching, but it turned out I sucked at it.
0: <laughs> you, wait, you sucked at teaching? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, I find that difficult the to problem,
1: believe. The problem is teaching is not just about teaching. Yeah, that's teaching true. Teaching is... That is true. Um, I love the teaching part of teaching right but teaching is also it's also dealing with bureaucracy it's also dealing with angry parents it's also classroom discipline it's also entertainment and cult of personality to try to convince people that they should be in a classroom learning this stuff
0: yeah yeah so Uh,
1: that's right a lot to get through before you can even make that connection where people can actually learn Right. So once I had students who were in that place that they did want to learn, that part I loved. That was so fulfilling. But I had a hard time with the rest of it. And I don't have the kind of temperament <laughs> to just take, you know, verbal and emotional
0: abuse from people in the hopes that eventually I'll be able to do my job job. Oh, uh, yeah, well, you know, so, I think that a lot of people in the teaching profession don't have that personality and they're starting to, you know, they're being asked to Take on more and more responsibilities beyond just the teaching part that they signed up for. And yep. that's why we're seeing what we're seeing in the in the education system. But that is a whole other show. Whole <laughs> other show. I'm so grateful that we have anybody who's still willing to be a teacher,
1: honestly. It's such a hard job and so important. And yeah. um
0: But it's interesting yeah, because show, a but- lot of us, like I grew up wanting to teach as well, but I didn't have as clear a focus as you did. And I didn't go to school for mm-hmm. that at all. I just thought like when i was little you know playing with my dolls and stuff like i'm just going to be a teacher like that was one of the options i mm. guess that i saw open to me my mom had been a teacher before i was born so yeah and it's interesting now like we are teachers in a different sense we're just not in yeah. a, we're not confined to a classroom of under 18 year old children
1: right right
0: right but right. still teaching Yeah. Yeah.
1: We get, we get to teach the people who have already decided to show up. Yes. (laughs) So much (laughs) more fulfilling. Those are the, those are the fun students to work with. Those are the people you can really, really help because they're ready for the help Yeah, and, and they want the help. Um, yeah. And I, I actually tried teaching again, years, years, years later, kind of not on purpose, which is where like this whole thread comes through the things that I intended and the things I didn't intend. Um, Years later, after I had been um, doing other part time work because I was a full time parent for a while after I had my first kid and I just kept doing that, you don't, childcare is so expensive. That was a big part of why mm-hmm. I was able to do that um, because of my husband's salary. And we decided, you know, with how expensive childcare is, it just makes more sense. But um, eventually, I started auditing Spanish classes at one of our local colleges just because I wanted to be in it again. I don't have a lot of people in my day-to-day life that I get to use Spanish with. So I wanted to read Spanish literature again. I wanted to have conversations about cool things in Spanish. Um, so I was auditing classes and um, one of the professors talked to me after class one day and asked me if I would consider adjuncting for them because they were down an adjunct and they needed somebody new. And I said, I mean, I've I've taught before, but I don't have a PhD. And she's like, that's okay. <laughs> she, but, but you but you have teaching experience, well, at high school for less than a year. Yeah. But you have a master's, right? No, I have a bachelor's. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't have training in, in teaching, per se, mm-hmm. but I had a Spanish degree, and they needed adjuncts badly enough that they, they had me come in. So I did that for a couple of years, and that, that was a better experience than teaching high school for me, but still um, so much resistance for people who did not want to be there. and it was just, you know, you show up every day for the people who are there with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so draining slogging through all the other stuff just to make that that connection. So um, yeah, so eventually I stopped doing that and classroom is not for me. I can teach people in other contexts, but not in a classroom where you like
0: have to convince people who are forced to be there that that's a good thing. Yeah, no going back to the classroom. What yeah? What was it that um? What were you doing that you found brought you joy? In teaching? No, outside of teaching. Like so, outside you 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 figured out that teaching wasn't for you when you were after yeah. the high school thing, and then you went on to yes. like, like you had mentioned that the thread was it seems like maybe that you just kind of stumbled <laughs> into things. Instead yep. of being intentional about finding what would bring you joy,
1: yeah, that that became the pattern because once I that was the only like plan A that I had for a career and there was no plan B. So once it became clear, no, that's not happening. I didn't know what my other option was. Like my plan had never been to be a full-time parent and not work. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to have a meaningful career as well. Uh, but I just didn't know what that was going to be, so I kind of, for a long time, just busied myself with with the parenting, and trying to do as well as I could with that, and uh, working part time jobs that came along. So, things that I did have some interest in, but it wasn't ever anything that I considered a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as far as bringing myself joy, I did a lot of creative things. So. Um, I was obsessively knitting all the time. (laughs) I'm a pretty good knitter. Okay. Um, Bake a lot of bread. But mom, I already
0: have 17 Um, sweaters. Here's another one. (laughs) I was
1: making, yeah. Oh, I learned a lot quickly about what gifts to knit for which people. Um, I stopped knitting things that people would lose easily. Like I don't knit hats and gloves anymore. It just doesn't happen. Socks? Maybe. Because you're not going to leave those at somebody's house, right? Right. or at the gas station or the doctor's office. Oh my God. But, um, (laughs) yeah, so I found creative things that I liked doing. I liked making things. Um, I got really into woodworking for a while, which is eventually how I ended up working at a custom cabinet making shop. So that was the last job I worked for somebody else was, um, building, finishing and installing cabinetry. And, um, that was Again, something I literally just walked into. I went into a shop that used to be where I got my lawnmower blade sharpened. It was no longer that shop. It was now a cabinetry shop. So I started talking to the, the owner and um, he, he offered me a job there. And I thought about it for a couple of days and I thought, well, okay, I've just left this adjunct teaching job and this sounds like it would be fun. Something that where I can get out of my head and, and do this creative thing that I'm really interested in. So it was the, it was the good enough for now
0: thing, right? is it um, is it a good enough for now thing, or do you feel like it's you following intuition or in like just being led? like we talk a lot about allowing ease and flow and just yeah. letting things I'm gonna say letting things happen, but it's not like you're a victim of letting things happen. it's it's more of a okay, let me see where this leads me, and I'm going yeah. to follow. Or it or, or didn't feel like that to you? That's a tough question.
1: I think um, at the time, it felt like a good thing falling into my lap. Mm-hmm. And it was the right time for me to do some kind of work that was totally different from what I had been doing, because I had been adjuncting for two and a half years. And um, that's not a great gig, just like universally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not a great gig. Um And it was stressful and I was tired and I was burned out and I was on edge, you know, being yelled at in the hallways by angry students who thought it was unfair that I enforced my policies, you know, just stupid shit that I didn't want to deal with anymore. Right. So this felt like something that was so much simpler. Like Uh I wasn't doing customer service. I wasn't public facing. I wasn't doing sales. I wasn't trying to convince anybody of anything. I was there to use the skills that I had and build on them to make things that were both beautiful and useful. And that for me, like, that's a wonderful thing. That's something that I really love about knitting mm-hmm. um, and, and baking and gardening and all these other kind of creative things is that there's a, there's an inherent beauty to it, but there's also a utility Right, Not that beauty by itself isn't useful and valuable, oh, sure, it really sure. is, but um, I like that that kind of crossover where you can play a little bit, like hit the slider one direction or the other, right? Yeah. Um, so it was something that I wanted to explore, but it also was not, this is going to be my new career, right? It wasn't like, I'm going to someday run my own cabinet shop. Mm-hmm. It was just like, this will be a fun place to play and still be making money and, you know, see where it goes. So I think it was, it was the moment that it happened was part of how I made that decision because I had just left this very stressful, very cerebral, um, kind of environment. So it was the right time for me to have something that was totally out of my head, completely just working with my hands, um, and just making things. It was a good time to do that and kind of decompress from all the, all the stress of the academic environment.
0: Do you find those activities, the, the knitting, the baking, the gardening, the, cabinetry woodworking is that meditative for you
1: oh yeah absolutely yeah um i would never have described it that way like when i started doing these things and trying to figure out like why do i like this so much i wouldn't be like oh because it's meditation no (laughs) but Mm -hmm. um but there's absolutely in all of them there's a flow that you get into where you know it takes you out of the thought processes and it's just you're just doing, you're not, it doesn't even feel like you're being anymore. You're just doing, you're just, you're just a vehicle to like help the bread dough get what it wants. You're listening to tell me what you want dough. Yeah. You need it a little warmer. Okay. We'll make it a little warmer. You need more time to relax. Cool. I'll give you a little more time. Right. And it just like takes you out of all the, that incessant stream of to do's and obligations and judgments and You know, where you constantly feel like you're feeling in one place or another, right? Because there's always one more thing coming up after that thing you didn't get checked off of your list. (laughs) Totally takes you out of all of that.
0: Allow me a quick moment to thank you for tuning in to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. If you're enjoying the show, please take a second to hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And if you haven't already, I'd love it if you would leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show reach more listeners like you. Fine is a four-letter word is available on all major podcasting platforms. So no matter where you listen, you can stay up to date with the latest episodes. Now let's get back into the conversation. you just said it puts you in the doing instead of the being and i would think <laughs> of it in a the opposite way it's actually allowing you to simply be yes you're doing something yeah but because you're in this state it's really simply being like nobody's asking you to do or think it's just allowing you to be who you are as you're creating so it's more that being place. All right. So we are back. We had a little technical difficulty, but are back. Since the show is called Fine is a four-letter word. Yeah. <laughs> let's get to the part of your story where you were saying everything was fine and it was not fine. Yeah. So this was, I had been working at this cabinet shop for a couple of years
1: and... Again, there was a lot that I liked about the work. I liked that I was working with my hands. It was good, honest work. It was very straightforward. I didn't take it home at the end of the day. Um, nobody was giving me crap about stuff that wasn't my problem, you know. Um, but I was running up to against like the limits of what I could do in that work. Um, there wasn't a lot of room for creativity. There wasn't a lot of room for innovation. Um because you were just doing what the clients wanted doing, you to do. Yeah. And the, the owner of the place, he had been doing this stuff for like 30 years and he had a way he likes to do things and he didn't really like to experiment with new techniques or anything like that. Um, so there were some frustrations that were starting to grow. Um, but then what happened was I started getting sick. So, um, I had a series of respiratory infections of various kinds. Um, and at the time I'm working at the cabinet shop, but I was also renovating one of the bathrooms in our house and we were just for the fun of it, we were doing the gutting ourselves and I was actually doing most of that work. And So So you could take out all the
0: frustrations of the past many years. So
1: getting everything down, like taking out all the like seven layers of ugly wallpaper, taking out all the old plaster and lath down down to the studs of everything, um, starting totally fresh. So that was in progress. I was also in two plays at the time. Um, I was in a a local production of Grease and also one of the Vagina Monologues. So these were both ongoing. Um, and my husband was out of town for work for a while and our car engine died. (laughs) So there's a lot of things that were happening around this same time that were very stressful. Um, and then I kept getting these respiratory infections and I would keep going back to my doctor and she'd, you know, treat the bronchitis or say, maybe this is actually allergies or, um, it was just one thing after another. And then the infections had all cleared and I wasn't, She couldn't find any reason why I would be sick, but I was still sick. So this goes Mm -hmm. on for a while and I start getting new symptoms. I'm getting weaker. Uh, My sleep is getting worse. So I'm not feeling better after I rest. Um, Very low on energy, starting to get chronic pain. And my body is reacting to stress with pain, which it never did before. So weird things are cropping up, and um, eventually my doctor said, I, I think you might have CFS. And I was like, what the heck is that? Um, yes. But it's, it's now more commonly called ME-CFS, so the ME is for myalgic encephalomyelitis, and the CFS is chronic fatigue syndrome, which we hate calling it because it's very misleading. It makes it sound like the big problem you have is that you're tired. And then people mm-hmm. hear that and they say, well, everybody's tired. Suck it up. <laughs> but the, the fatigue is actually <laughs> <Right>. not. <laughs> we,
0: live in a, we live in a society that is chronically tired. Yeah, that's true. And and people think that's okay and normal. It's okay and normal. Like, stop complaining about being yeah. drained all the time. No. Um
1: <laughs> So, yeah, the, the primary thing is actually how your body responds to stress and exertion, which is um, mm. that your your symptoms of pain and unrestored sleep and all these other things, there's a whole spectrum of, of things that can come up. They get worse and you might get new symptoms if you have overexerted yourself. Um, so... That's a delicate dance. You're always trying to find where's the line of how much I can do without making myself sicker, right? Because Mm -hmm. um, if you go too far past your baseline, you have a crash and you don't know how long it's going to be or how deeply you're going to have to rest in in order to be able to come back. Um, So... That happened. I got that diagnosis and I didn't really understand at first what it meant. She was telling me this is a chronic illness and um, here's what we know about it. But I didn't really understand what she meant by chronic. I thought it would be like when I had had mono before in college and I had to Mm -hmm. like take a couple months off and get some incompletes in my classes and then I was able to come back. I thought it would be like that. Um, It's not. Yeah. (laughs) It's uh, okay. Yeah. So I really wish that she hadn't kept saying things like, don't worry, we're going to get you feeling better because that didn't happen. (laughs) The reality is people with ME CFS, um, a lot of times never get all the way better. Sometimes there is improvement, but there's not any reliable, predictable, like approved treatment. And it's especially difficult because people present in different ways. So there may be different triggers that set off this biological process, this physiological process that we all have in common. So there's not one way to cure it. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically the prognosis is you're probably going to be sick for the rest of your life. Uh, do what you can to manage your symptoms. Welcome.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it becomes a man, a managing yeah.
1: thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in the back of my mind now, as I'm learning more about this disease, um, which is, is tough because doctors don't still get trained about this disease. A lot of times it's been mm-hmm. so dismissed and misunderstood for a very long time. That's gotten better in the last five or seven years. Um, but it's still not something that people really understand. So there, you have to do a lot of self-advocacy and a lot of uh, learning on your own when you get this kind of a diagnosis because nobody can tell you what the road ahead looks like. Um, yeah. Yeah. How long ago was this diagnosis? This was 2016. So um, okay. it's seven years now. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yesterday okay. was day before yesterday was my sick anniversary. That was the last day I got sick. Cause every day since then I've already been sick. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So learning about, you know, what the future might hold for me and realizing, okay, so 25% of the people who have this diagnosis are completely bed bound or house bound. 25% of us can still work. So I'm in that like I'm at the bottom end of that lucky portion because I can work, but not in the way that I used to be
0: able to work, right? Okay, wait, I'm not a math major, but you just said 25% and 25%. So there's a lot of people in the middle. Somewhere else.
1: Oh, okay. There's, There's a lot of people in the middle who they can't work full time, but they're also not bed bound. Okay, gotcha. They're, they're kind of in limbo. They're like, they're close enough that they can see what it would be like to still have the life they used to have, but they can't quite get mm-hmm. there. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and I'm in that place where I'm impacted enough by my symptoms that all the decisions that I make revolve around how do I manage my symptoms mm-hmm. Um, which is why I'm a
0: freelancer. Yay. Uh, <laughs> well, but, there are lots <laughs> of reasons to be a freelancer or to reasons, be in yes. charge of your own destiny in terms Very of work. Much. Very yes.
1: much. Yeah. So anyway, so getting this diagnosis and taking, it took months to even understand what the diagnosis meant. So that that was collectively the event that made me, Sit back and look at okay, this is clearly not fine anymore. <laughs> uh, what might a better path forward look like? And I was pretty lost, honestly. I didn't, because like, like I said, I didn't have a plan B. I wasn't like, yeah. well, if I ever stop making cabinets for a living, I will just do this thing that's been waiting for me to come back to. I didn't have something to come back to. All the things mm-hmm. I had done before were things I could no longer physically do. I couldn't go back to teaching. I couldn't. Um, work retail. I couldn't, you know,
0: I was going to start picking well, business like at one point. I couldn't do it. So I had to find something. It more. sounds like those weren't necessarily things that you would have wanted to go back to anyway. True.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is so what were the, go ahead. If I was just going to say, if it's, uh, if it had been possible for me to do something that was already familiar and I knew I could you know, reliably make some income while I figured out my next moves, I would have at least done that temporarily, but it was, Mm. it was pretty Mm. much all off the table because they didn't give me enough control over um, basically creating accommodations for myself.
0: Yeah. So you were already involved in, in kind of these meditative things that we already talked about, which was, you know, the cooking, the knitting. Were there other tools that you now introduced for, for, figuring out like, what does my soul want to do now? Like I'm getting a message from the universe that I'm, the path I've been on is not no longer working. If it ever was in the first place.
1: Yeah.
0: Like work, you know, working, uh, what were the tools or like, how did you tap into that inner knowing or did you tap into that inner knowing to help you find direction forward now? Um, I didn't do it well. So it took a long time.
1: (laughs) I um, I mean, I think before I could even think of tapping into something new, I had to kind of get my bearings because I was just spinning. Mm-hmm. I was like the rug had been pulled out from under me, right? Um, and there was a tremendous grief that I had to deal
0: with before I could look mm-hmm. forward, right? Ah, oh, um, yeah, Okay. Like a mourning of who you had been?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mm. because I couldn't show up in the way that I was used to showing up for the people I love, right? Mm. I was... I was never like the Martha Stewart mom. I was never the mom that made baked goods for the whole class. Every time somebody had a birthday, I was not that mom, but I was the get shit done mom. I was the mom that like the toilet breaks. I'm a fix it. You know, I was yeah, the mom making sure right. the lawn is mowed and people's shit is taken care of. Um, I got I this. No worries. I got yeah. it. Um And I couldn't do that stuff anymore. So mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of stuff that I had to give up that because I realized I just was not, able to any longer. Um, and I had to start learning how to budget my energy. So I learned about something called spoon theory, uh, which is it's a way of explaining how we manage our our energy to take care of ourselves. Um, and boundaries is a big part of that. So if you imagine a spoon is just a unit of energy and that might be mm-hmm. um physical energy, emotional, cognitive energy. And each person starts the day with a certain number of spoons. You don't know how many you're going to start with. It's not up to you. You cannot ask for more spoons if you don't like the amount you are given. Um, But somebody like me, who's a spoonie, uh, we start with fewer spoons than most people have. And so we have to make harder decisions throughout every day about how we're going to budget those spoons. Um, And we have to do that adjusting to things as they're constantly changing because our energy levels are going to react to you know, unexpected things that happen. Right. So I might have a plan to do, um, certain things in my day and then say my daughter comes home really upset about something and we just need to sit down and talk it out. Mm-hmm. Right. That means I'm not going to have those spoons to dedicate to something else. Cause this is more important. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can come down to more basic things that most people don't give a second thought to like, am I going to take a shower today? Am I going to cook a meal today? Or am I going to like put together two pieces of bread and a piece of cheese, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, because all these energy expenditures, they add up and, and when you start out with fewer, it's, it's easy to lose track of how soon you're running out of them. So, um, that just became the new way of life. Like figuring out how do I approach each day with like a rough plan that has enough flexibility that if I have to start just saying no to everything else, I can do that. Um,
0: not to minimize same. what you're saying and what you've been through and this this disease that you had this diagnosis for. At the same time, I'm listening to you talk about how you manage this, mm-hmm. and I'm hearing this is how a lot... The, people don't do this, but right. they also don't realize that we all have a certain amount of energy to put towards things. Correct, And I think a lot of people, because they're not aware of, maybe they don't feel the need as dramatically as you do Mm -hmm. to manage that stuff. They just push, 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 and that's, and then until they're like going crazy, their hair on fire, Mm -hmm. and like we all have the, I was going to say the need, like we, it would benefit all of us to manage ourselves that way. But most people don't because they think they have unlimited energy. I totally agree. Yeah.
1: We've all got a limited amount of energy. It's just that most people have a wider margin for error. So they get away with a lot more than I would because they don't don't see the effects as immediately.
0: Yes, that's exactly it. They can get away with it Mm -hmm. for a longer period of time. However, that doesn't mean they can get away with it forever and not see the effects.
1: Right, because there are cumulative effects. Like constant chronic stress, it has physiological effects on your body and yeah. over time yeah. they lead to all kinds of serious serious illnesses that by the time that's creeping up on you, you can't just go back and say, "Oh, you know what? 20 years ago, I will now have taken better care of myself." It doesn't work yeah. that way. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's there and then you have to deal with it. Um But yeah, everybody, everybody would be healthier if they realized that they are not a machine that never takes maintenance. Like you need maintenance, you need routine maintenance to take care of your, your meat mech, as my kids say. Um,
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: So there are mechanisms at play. You need to, you need to, you need to do the upkeep. You need to take breaks. You need to rest. You need to heal. You need to, you know, eat food that's not complete junk. You need all these things that we're actually trained to ignore these things because certain people benefit from that, from us ignoring what we need to take care of ourselves, right? Because for certain people, that's much more profitable to run us into the ground without us ever having taken the time to step back and take a breath and think, wait, is this what I want? (laughs) Yeah. Because if we never have the time to take back and ask those questions... Then we're just going to keep our shoulder to the grindstone working for somebody else to make more money and ruining ourselves and our lives and our families in the process. And we don't know it
0: sometimes until it's too late to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought of this diagnosis as then having said all of that as a gift? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I
1: would have, if I hadn't gotten sick, I would have kept doing all of the things that I was doing. And I probably wouldn't have seen a problem with that for quite a while. Uh, Mm. But it was kind of a hard reset. It was. (laughs) My body was telling me, I don't give a shit what you want to be doing right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Here's what you need to be doing. You need to hibernate. You need to stop shooting yourself. Mm. You need to stop putting things on your plate that do not belong anywhere near you <laughs> let other people fix their stuff right yeah um and it it forced me to look at for the first time in a, in a while you know what do I really need and want yeah because I was I was getting by with what was fine it was good I was I was content with what I had I you know I wasn't missing anything that felt important mm-hmm. but I also hadn't been um, dreaming. Yeah. You know, I wasn't thinking about like, what would be really rad if I didn't have to worry about this and that and the other thing, like what kind of life would just be so awesome? Because what I now know is if you can think about what would that life look like, you can reverse engineer that shit. You can figure it out. Right. You can think what kind of a life do I want to live? Okay. Persons who live that kind of life, how do they behave? What kinds of habits and rituals and routines do they have? Okay, what would I need in order to start putting those habits and routines into place? Does it need money? Okay, now you have a financial goal. By when do Mm -hmm. you need that amount of money to make that thing happen to increase your quality of life? So now I've learned how to think about these things, but it was never a priority for me before because I had what I needed. Mm
0: -hmm. And it was good enough Mm -hmm. for me. It was good enough. Right. It was fine. Yeah. And you you commented that your body was talking to you. I would say it was more your soul talking yeah. to you by causing yeah. these things to happen with your body to make you pay attention. It was <sighs> your soul that was saying, hey, dream bigger. Think about what you just look like, the way you just described that. It was your soul mm. saying, hey, uh, pay attention to me. Think it's all connected. I think it, oh, it really sure. is. Um, I mean, I know the way
1: I spend energy throughout the day, that's connected. You know, I can't um, be in the middle of a depressive period and be super ambitious with work and be like, you know, powering through meetings that they don't coexist. <laughs> like, you need mm-hmm, to take care mm-hmm. of all of the parts of you because if you don't, the other parts are going to tell you, Hey, something's up. You need to stop. <laughs> take a minute. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I am. I am grateful that it happened because I probably wouldn't. Ha- it's not that I didn't think I deserved a good life. It's just uh, I didn't feel the need to search for anything bigger and more exciting than I had. I really didn't feel mm-hmm. the need. Um, and I think part of that probably comes back to all of my years of just stay under the radar. Yeah. As long as I'm not getting into fights I don't want to be in, I'm good, you know. Um, But having been through that period of, like, literally not knowing if I would be able to work ever again in my life, or if I did, what what will I qualify to do? Will it be minimum wage shit that, like, a high school student could be doing? Like, really? Right. I'm traveled. I have a college education. I've been places. I've done things. I have lived experience and in, in transferable skills. Like that was just so soul deadening to think like if I do work again, it might be a shit job. I don't want that for mm-hmm. me. I have more to give. I don't know what it is yet. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Have to find out because being on my couch, being depressed, not being the mom I used to be, not being the wife I used to be, not being the community member I used to be, the friend I used to be, the daughter I used to be, that. I decided cannot be my entire existence. There's got to be something better
0: than that. Yeah. You just said a word that is, I'm guessing, what inspired you to look for something more. And that was you decided. Yeah. You decided. You know, a lot of people go through uh, downturns in their life, if you will. What changes everything is that decision. Mm-hmm. You decided that that was not what you, how you wanted to live the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And that decision changes everything. Even if you don't know what it looks like, right? you decided.
1: Right. Because in a certain sense, you really never know what the outcome of any decision is going to be. But you can no. decide,
0: this isn't good enough for me anymore. Right. I would like something <laughs> different. I would like something more expansive Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, and I use that word expansive. That doesn't necessarily mean harder, bigger. It means more, how do I describe what I'm talking about? But like just more joyful for your soul. Like, Mm -hmm. like if you, uh, as I say that I'm imagining this like bright light expanding out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Well, there there did all have right. to be some
1: expansion, right? Because I, where I found myself at the time, my world had become very, very small out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And it's still smaller than it used to be in a lot of ways um, because I have to have these ironclad boundaries that I didn't have before. So that makes all the things that I really want to do that are important to me possible by saying no to all the bullshit that I don't need <laughs>
0: in my life. Right, because now you're super clear on one, what the boundaries are, what and what your priorities are, what's important. Yeah. And not doing everything, not being so scattered, so you're much more focused. Yeah. And therefore, that allows you to fill your life with with the things like the things that really matter, that yeah. really because most people are filling their, you know, it comes back to that that analogy. Did you ever hear that thing about the rocks? like putting a rocks in a jar. Like there was a story about a professor who came into his, uh, his classroom and he was trying to teach the importance of paying attention to the things that really matter. And he, he put, uh, he started with big rocks in a jar and then filled it in with smaller rocks and then asked them if there was any more room for anything else. And they're like, nope, looks pretty full. And then he put sand in and like, you're filling it up but you have to start with the big rocks. Yeah. Because if you start with the sand, the big rocks aren't gonna fit. That's and true. a lot of yeah. people look at their lives and just start filling it with stuff, but not necessarily the stuff that matters to them the most. Those right. big rocks. They, they don't have the breathing room to 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 see the, the big
1: picture and, and yeah. take it all in at once. They're like, No, but I have all this sand on my to-do list. I gotta do the sand. Yeah.
0: Uh, right. I don't right, have time right. to
1: think about rocks.
0: <laughs> Yes. Yes. And, and you have only, you only have the amount of energy for the rocks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a good way
1: of looking at it. Um, it reminds me of one of the things that I read during this period of, um, I have a whole notebook of things I was taking notes on during this time period. And I've labeled the the notebook relearning life. Cause that's what I feel like mm. I was doing. I was relearning. This okay, sounds like a book. How, how do I live this life? <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, This sounds like a
1: book. Do I really? Yeah, it does. People have told me I should write, but I don't, it's not in the near plans for the near future. Okay. um, Noted. Planting the seed. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So the notebook is called relearning life. And one of the things that I took notes on at the time that was really important for me as I was learning, what is this going to look like for me? What, what is this life now? Um, I read a blog post, which I guess is an excerpt from a book. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar the, with the book. Is it Mark Manson? Is that the author? Something Sounds like that. right.
0: I Manson, could be wrong Hanson. on that, but
1: it's definitely yeah. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And right. I read this and I it just like clicked. It was, there's nothing that I can argue with in this piece. So it's all about, the point is not, don't give a fuck about anything. It's stop giving fucks about all the wrong things.
0: Yeah. So that when
1: the right things come up that need your fucks, you've still got some left. (laughs) Right. Right.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. That makes so much sense. Yes. It's Mark Manson.
1: Yes. Thank you. Just looked it up. Yeah. Are good. Okay, um,
0: yeah. yeah. So that sort
1: of became ingrained in how I started approaching things. Um, you know, is this fuck worthy? No. Is it fuck worthy? No. It's kind of. It's kind of like, um, like the Seinfeld episode with the sponges. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> she, Elaine's <laughs> kind of, sponge worthy. You're not sponge worthy, right? So now it's like, no, you're not spoon worthy. You do not get my spoons for the day. You can go do mm. your shit someplace else. Don't don't bring that here. Um, and so that simplifies a lot of decisions, honestly, because it takes out a lot yeah. of the guilt. Yes. That um, I would otherwise feel <laughs> for not doing the which things is, that I want to do. Which is not you
0: useful anyway.
1: Right. The guilt. Right. But yeah, but it's uh, yeah, it's a lot easier to say no when when I'm looking at it from a perspective of can I do this? Is this safe for me? Mm. If not, no, yeah. I can't do this, and I'm not making apologies for the things that
0: I can't do. Right. Wow. You I mean the this episode has been so good. <laughs> like just so many lessons whether you're dealing with the the diagnosis that you have or not. What you've shared is universal applies universally. Mm. And so I am very honored that you chose to give fine is a four letter word. One of the spoons, or I don't know mm. how many spoons it took for you to be here today, but thank you. <laughs> I'll let you know tomorrow for that. <laughs> okay, before we go, what is the song that you listen to when you need an extra boost of energy? <gasps> the song,
1: okay, so this is um, this will just tell you how much of a weirdo I am at heart. Um, uh, the song is called No One Lives Forever, it's by Oingo Boingo, and I, I picked this not really thinking about like, what would an audience hear as I'm walking on stage? I was just thinking about what's the kind of music that gets me excited. And when I hear yeah, this that's, song. that's
0: why I ask this question. I
1: When I listen to this song, it's like, it's super weird, dude. I don't know if you're familiar with Oingo Boingo from the 80s. Mm-hmm. I think this song came out mm-hmm. like 82 or something. Yep. But this is a song when this comes on, I'm just like, fuck yeah. We're dancing around a bonfire at the beach. We're howling at the moon. We're doing what we want because no one lives forever, dude. Um, You know, drink the wine, have the party, do what you want to do uh, because we're not making it out of here alive.
0: You are speaking my language when you just said bonfire and party and dancing with friends. Like that's my joy situation when I visualize joyful, happy places. That's that. That's there. Love it. We'll, we'll go do that together. That sounds amazing. If people want to get in touch with you and continue this discussion, where's the best place for them to reach you? Ooh, best place is probably my website,
1: DorothyCopy.com. Um, I am also on Instagram and LinkedIn, although I'm working on getting more consistent there, guys. It's <laughs> it's a spoon budgeting question. Yes. Um, so I am on those platforms. You can reach me there. I do sometimes post fun stuff. Um, And I have help now because I decided, Dorothy, you do not enjoy creating social media graphics and videos on your own. You need to outsource that shit. Save those spoons for something better, right? Um, So I have help and I will be doing that more consistently in the future. So uh, yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today on Fine is the Four Letter
1: Word. Thank you so much for having me. And I just want to remind everybody, like Lori said, you have the choice, you know, make the decision. That's what everything starts with.
0: Who are you without all the other things that define you? That is such a great question to ask yourself. Here are the other key takeaways from this episode. Number one, it's important to take care of all parts of yourself and to prioritize your mental health and well-being. Number two, making the decision to change your life and pursue something more meaningful can be a powerful motivator, even if you don't know exactly what that looks like yet. Number three, having clear boundaries and priorities can help you focus on what truly matters and avoid getting overwhelmed by non-essential tasks or obligations. Number four, learning to let go of guilt and prioritize your own needs is an important part of self-care and personal growth. Number five, by being selective about where you focus your energy, you can make room for the things that really matter and create that more fulfilling and joyful life. Thanks for listening to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow and share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to help others discover it too. You can find links to my socials on my website, zenrabbit.com. And before you go, take a moment to reflect on what you're grateful for today. Remember, you have the power to create a life you love, and I'm proud of you. Thanks for joining me. Take care.